Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Suns, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is uh, time to talk some actual basketball. Feels like the Suns had a second All-Star break, Wolf. Nice. Maybe K-Ray went back to Barbados. He's joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. It is Kevin Ray. Kay, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, just landed, as a matter of fact. So uh, happy we could connect, guys. <laughs> Kay, can you actually tell us where you did go over All-Star break? Can you, can you actually tell us that? Because uh, then Wolf will show up, so just be aware. Like, next All-Star break, Wolf will be there. Uh, it was, you know, it, it started with a B. It could have been Bora Bora. It could have been Bali. It could have been Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> it could have been Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Kay, we, um, we just saw the Suns play the Rockets actually last week and we're going to see him play him again on uh, Saturday. Now one thing that was very clearly missing in the game on Friday was Yusuf Nurkic and he reminded everybody of that by his performance on Sunday against the Lakers. So let's just start with Nurk. From the start of the season to now, how much have you seen him grow in his role with the Suns? I mean look, if, if we we get so hung up on the big three and what they, you know, mean, what they bring to the table. And, you know, it, it can't and should never be discounted. But that being said, if you want to look at the, the, the two, the two glue guys, the two under the radar MVPs, it's Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen. You know, we've talked to, uh, you know, a lot about Grayson and, you know, number one in the league in three point shooting, but, we saw in, in one of the games last week when Nurk was out, and that's certainly being, you know, the the biggest uh, that Houston game. It's it's not just his rebounding. What what you miss with Nurk with this Suns offense is the facilitator in the high post. Yeah. When when Nurk is not on the floor, and certainly when he's not on the floor for an entire game, you see kind of the the step back in, in some ways that this Suns offense takes because you're missing his playmaking ability. And I don't think anybody would have imagined saying that at the beginning of the season, but he has been absolutely outstanding. He he is, I mean, he is a great teammate. His teammates love him uh, and vice versa. Uh, but, but I think we are really seeing Nurk get utilized, you know, the best possible ways to enhance his skill set and, uh, yeah, you just you cannot say enough about what he brings to the table on the floor, and then yeah, then you throw in his ability to go out and have monster rebounding games and just completely set the tone underneath. And there's no denying they 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 missed that last week, especially in that third quarter when the Suns just got completely abused on the glass. Yeah, on that note, right there, Kay. Do you think Big Nurk, of course, and Sangoon, the center for the Rockets? Do you think that could be a matchup tonight to keep your eye on? Well, that one. Did, but the, the the guy you got to get a body on is uh, Jabari Smith. I mean, he's he's the one that killed them last week. You know, second year, you know, power forward. And Shingoon was in many in many ways uh, for about two and a half quarters, 
you know, he was rendered ineffective because of foul trouble. But it was Jabari Smith, especially in that third quarter, who just went absolutely berserk. And if he wasn't getting his hands on a rebound, he was creating, you know, back tap and loose ball situations for his teammates to recover. So between offensive rebounding and second chance points, Jabari Smith was was the guy who was the big problem last week for uh, for the Suns in that meeting. We're talking to Kevin Ray. Okay, uh, Royce O'Neal, not, not that we're expecting 20 points and nine boards and six threes every time he plays in 37 minutes, but he, it's been remarkable how quickly he has looked like he's been on this team for a long time. It's safe to say that he's going to be pretty reliable now here going forward. Yeah, and look, you know, when when the Suns made the deal for him, I, I was so excited because if you've if you've really watched Royce throughout his career, he's always a guy. Um, and just in talking to other people around the league, he's a guy who understands what his strengths and weaknesses are, and you can see why virtually everywhere he's been, it's been an easy fit because he knows who he is. And he he doesn't try to be or do more than that, and I think that's you know that's why Kevin Kevin Durant, you know, a guy like him loves having a Royce O'Neal. Same thing for a Devin Booker. These high basketball IQ guys know what Royce brings to the table because he's got an extremely high basketball IQ as well. And so you get a game like that the other day against the Lakers, and you know you you your your mind can't help but wander into the postseason and that's why you go out and you pull the trigger for for guys like Royce O'Neal because there's no moment that is going to be too big for him he understood the Suns were shorthanded the other day so he was going to have shots available to him well what does he do he doesn't shy away from it he he takes them and that's what they're going to need to continue to do he and Grayson and the other guys you know in those games and situations when the Suns aren't at full strength because now it creates that much more of a problem for the defense you can't you know you can't step away and try to double off of Royce O'Neal cuz he, he'll make you pay for it speaking of defense Kay, the Houston Rockets they're they're a scrappy bunch on the defensive end of the floor aren't they 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 really are and look, they they have taken on the personality of their coach, Emi Yudoka, um, and, and it's a team that you know they got off to a hot start, and it wasn't just you know their explosiveness offensively, but they were one of the highest defensive rated teams in the league, and they have been especially stingy at home. Um, they they scramble all over the floor, and that's what, you know that's where they gave the Suns fits uh, the other day in in Houston. The Suns just could not you know kind of counter and find a way to, to really exploit the scrambling defensively. You know, you can do that when you're young. And so that's why I'm hopeful the Suns can be, you know, close to full strength here tonight because then you really put Houston in a bad way and you make them determine, okay, are you going to continue to, to scramble and, and double, you know, on the ball? And if so, the Suns then have to make the right decision. But, yeah, it, it's a team, you know, a young team, a little bit like in Oklahoma City, the last couple of years, they're just going to keep coming at you. And it doesn't matter, like the Suns you know, found out, it doesn't matter if you've got a 16-point lead early. They are going to keep chipping away and keep coming at you. That's where you got to take care of the basketball and you got to rebound the ball. We're talking to uh, Kevin Ray. Kay, Bradley Beal is officially listed as questionable with a left hamstring injury management. So that's, uh, that's how the NBA is wording it. Um, 
when he comes back, whenever that is, do you think there's going to need to be sort of a reacclimation period for the whole team, or is it going to be as simple as he steps back in and they pick up where they were a couple weeks ago? Because now, now we're starting to to get up against it here. If we need a, a reacclimation period for everybody, yeah, I, I don't think so, Luke. Only because you know we were able to to see. You know, we we had said when when Brad first came back. You know, they need a 15 to 20 game body of work together without any hiccups, without any eruptions, interruptions. And for the most part, that's what we got. I think it was like 18, 19 games um, where the majority of those guys were on the floor together. And I think everybody has, you know, has has a real sense of what the strengths, weaknesses are, what makes them go. You know, we we have seen and we've discussed here, you know, the value of Brad being on the ball, you know, that was the move that, that Frank made after three or four games when Bradley came back to put Brad more on the ball, take book off the ball and really utilize his strength. And, you know, when we talk about the turnovers of the Suns, I think it's a part of the game that the fans have kind of overlooked because of his ability to score the ball and get downhill. But Beal has done a great job at setting the table and taking care of the rock and helping minimize the turnover. So that's the other big key there. But no, I, I don't think there will be any kind of, you know, adjustment period or feeling out period again uh, when he sets back on the floor. Hopefully it's tonight. If not tonight, then on Saturday. Okay. Thanks okay, so thank much you, for the buddy. time, buddy. You got it, boys. Have a great one. Thank you, Kirk. That's uh, Kevin Ray joining us right there from, oh, maybe Baltimore (laughs) on the Arizona sports line. Uh, Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, if Beal's able to come back tonight or Saturday or whatever, then it doesn't really matter. But if if it takes another week or two and they still need 15 to 20 games, like the math isn't going to add up there. Uh, All right, we come back. Are the Cardinals just one wide receiver away from contending. That question was asked by a pretty, maybe the most prominent uh, draft analyst out there. We'll dive into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The Arizona Cardinals are looking to improve a number of positions on the roster this offseason. If they are adding a veteran, who are some of the guys that would be a perfect fit? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, 2-6 to six on Arizona Sports. Bring it down. Everyone just settle down. <laughs> We're way up here walking around with all this intensity. Why? We? We all are? <laughs> <laughs> just bring it down, right, brothers? We got all day to be fired up and jacked up. That's why I was saying we got to play some of the other music you reference, like Bette Midler and late nights in the middle of June and all those songs earlier in the show, so we ease you into the show. Celine Dion, I think you've referenced her a few times. Just breathe, Brian. No, you can go! Okay. All right. So, Mel Kuyper put out the mock draft 2.0. <laughs> He's just staring at Aaron until she turned it up. <laughs> okay, everyone just settled right, down. Everybody, Rick, everybody, will you knock it off? Rick Rick is the most settled of the all of us. intensity level's way up here. All right, everybody good? Can I talk about Mel Kuyper? Yeah, yeah. what did you want to say about Mel? I don't remember. Other um, than the fact he loves pumpkin puff. No, I was trying to leave that out because I feel like that undermines his credibility, and it's the only thing <laughs> that can undermine his credibility. <laughs> I've never thought that way, but I think you're right on that. But I would I would argue Mel Kuyper, maybe that's the trade-off. 
He's been so right about so many <laughs> other things for I don't even know how long that the trade-off is that he's wrong as far as the best Thanksgiving or holiday pie. Yeah. He said that I was going to be a good blocking fullback and might actually help out on special teams. That's what he That was his scouting well, report on me. Thank you. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can all say he nailed that one. <laughs> all right. Um Back to Mel Kuyper's mock draft. Now, I mentioned this yesterday. He's got he's got the Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison at four, and he's got them uh, at 27, taking the defensive lineman out of Missouri, um, Darius Robinson. With Marvin Harrison, he, you know, we read this yesterday that he was talking about how they would probably run to the podium, basically, if, if, that, if, if Harrison's there, available for the Cardinals. Another example of a draft expert saying, man, this, this pick makes too much sense. If he's there, the Cardinals need a good receiver. He's potentially a great receiver. Why wouldn't you take him? But there is an interesting line later in the write-up. And he talked about, you know, potentially other teams that need a receiver as well, maybe being a little more desperate for one. And he says, this is Mel saying this, quote, would Arizona be able to pass up, for instance, a 2025 first-round pick to move down nine spots with Vegas? I'm not saying it would be able to get that haul, but it would have to consider a deal if it did, right? The looming question is, are the Cardinals a wide receiver away from contending? Unquote. That's a question that they're going to have to answer in the next month and a half. Yeah, I think the answer is no. They're they're not a wide receiver away from contending. When you say contending. Yeah, you have to define what's contending. Yes. If they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., that doesn't mean they're winning the Super Bowl next year. Yes. But I believe you should be fighting for a playoff spot next year. And drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. gives you a much better chance to do it because you're also drafting other players. Yeah. It's not like you're, all of your picks are condensed into just Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I think you also have to look at Marvin Harrison Jr. once again and say, how special do you think this kid is? <laughs> once again, the generational talent, that needs to be defined as yeah. well. Like, what do you truly believe? What do your scouts say? about Marvin Harrison Jr. as a generational player, and what does that mean? And that's that's what's interesting about this, because he's saying flat out, hey, if you're at four, draft him. There's no doubt, draft him. Where he's kind of taking it in a new direction that we really haven't seen a whole lot in these mock drafts is, but what if another team's like, that's all we need, and they're willing to overpay for him? That's where what you're saying comes into play. Is he the best receiver in this draft, or is he generational? Right. And you know that scenario he lays out right there, Vegas doesn't have a quarterback right now, so I would be wary of them doing it because if you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and you don't have anybody to throw him the ball, what's the point? Yeah. But just to use that as an example, I mean, would the Cardinals drop down to, what is the Raiders draft at uh, 9, I believe, 9 or 11? Was it? um, They're they're, uh, 13. Okay, so 13, you're probably not getting neighbors or Odunze either. Okay, but once again, is he going to do what he did last year? Go from number 3 to number 12, Uh, and then boom, up to number 6, right? I mean, this is something that Buddy has done, and oh, by the way, I got a first-round pick and, you know, other picks on it. So get next year's first from the Raiders, drop down to 13, (laughs) then swing a deal with whoever, move up to 7, and get Odunze. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be, that would be something. <laughs> okay, that would be, except if, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there at number four. Okay, and you think he's a generational player. Here's the one thing about it. We, we all know Marvin Harrison Jr., okay, um, Roma Dunze, ladies and gentlemen, and Malik Neighbors. Those three guys, they're all bunched up right there on many, many boards. 
I think they're going to be very, very close in terms of top 10 wide receivers, of course. I can guarantee you. Oh, okay. I shouldn't yeah, say I was going to say, what are you going to guarantee? Me? What, what, I, what, what I've never guaranteed anything, let <laughs> alone made a prediction. You're about to make a career really guarantee for one of these guys. You. Why did I say that? I, it's a figure of speech. Let me, let me see if I can guess what you were going to say. Were you going to say, I can guarantee you one of them doesn't live up to the hype? One of them's going to be a bust. Okay, but, not, you. but you're not guaranteeing you knew that it. was coming. I'm not going to guarantee okay. it. Okay. Okay? I, and I'm not rooting against somebody so that I'm right. The, the odds would say, history would tell us, that at least one of them is going to be a bust relative to being a top 10 Maybe pick or even two. I, I wonder, I though. have a hard time looking at Roma Dunze and Marvin Harrison Jr. and seeing any type of bust. Yeah, so I, me too, <laughs> honestly. Um, you know, maybe Roma Dunze in five years is like a really good number two receiver, and you're like, hey, we took him with the fourth pick, or we took him with the seventh, and that was too high. But I, think, I don't think he's going to be a bust. Uh, mm-hmm. And I definitely don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a bust unless these guys get hurt. You know what I mean? This is This has got to be... In terms of the very top of the the class for receivers, this has to be one of the, the the best classes in recent memory. Yeah, I mean it's it's deep in the sense that you could see seven go in the first round, but then also these top three. They're not a lot of years. It's like, hey, here's the top three receivers, and you know one of them is the fifth best prospect, and one's twelve, and one's eighteen. We're looking at Daniel Jeremiah's list the other day. It was okay. One of them is number two. One is number three, and one is number four. Yeah, I know. Three of the top four prospects, Ooh. according to him in this draft, are receivers. Now that's just one man. It's just one man. Once again, but I don't know if he likes in pumpkin the pie. Eye of the beholder, and I guarantee he doesn't like it. <laughs> Why would he? The odds say that he he, he wouldn't like <laughs> the it. The odds say we pumpkin pie is a bust. There are seventeen percent of the population that loves pumpkin pie, and eighty three percent of it that cannot stand it. Barf bag, please. Having said all of this, I'm looking though, up those numbers. I think you need to come back once again to Marvin Harrison Jr. and the generational player and the possibility of moving down. Is that? I mean, do, do you think that could be a situation? I do believe that is alive. It's all going to be about to what degree, how badly, Mel? How badly do teams want to move up to number four yeah. to get that guy? How badly? And I think you've got to keep that open as well because we know Monty loves to do it. I don't know if just a first-round pick next year, not not just, not like oh, that's no, nothing. you got to throw something else in there, too. Well, I don't know if it would be enough for me to, to knock at any of the three. You know, like what he's just the 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 scenario he's just throwing out as a hypothetical. The Raiders are like, hey, we we want Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll give you pick number thirteen. We'll give you our first rounder next year. We move up to four. I don't know if that would be enough, unless I knew, like you were saying, I could move back up to six or seven and still get Roma Dunze or something. And I, I don't know how you can know that for sure in the moment, right? I mean, there's yeah. no matter what anybody tells you, the second you hang up with the Raiders and you've made the trade down. You've never dialed so fast to call whoever you were supposed to trade back up to for, you know, at number seven. It obviously worked last year, but I don't know that you can count on that. By the way, according to uh, the Internet, 35 percent of Americans say pumpkin pie is their favorite. Oh, OK. Thirty five percent. Yes. Oh, that's twice of what I said. And 17. It's, it's alarming, really. Yeah, it is alarming right now. Mel, did you want to say something? Well, I just didn't know if you guys see a scenario where the Cardinals maybe trade back before the draft. Do you think it's only going to happen on draft night? Because as we sit here, a lot of the top three picks when they trade back happen sometimes before the draft. Last yeah. year, no. when the when the trade went down with the Bears and Panthers, 
That was during the combine. Yeah. I don't think he'd do it. This, it's just me. I don't think he'd do it. And I think it's because of how high the pick is and because of draft day leverage. <laughs> the draft day. Oh, how badly do you want? Oh, you had all these plans that you wanted. You wanted Marvin Harrison Jr. Just look at me right now. You know you want Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, guess what? You're not going to get him because we're going to draft him at number four. Unless you give us two number one. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when know, it's like 20 minutes away from I, being I'm reality, exaggerating, yes. And the other thing, too, if we're talking Raiders, and I know the Raiders GM said that they're not trading Devontae Adams, but if they gave you Devontae Adams and something, would that be enough? What you talking about, Mel? That would be interesting. <laughs> I'd, I'd Man, be interested that wouldn't be, that wouldn't <laughs> That's be a whole different conversation right there. Right? Right there. Um, but once again, contending, too, I think you need to clarify this right here. You, no, they, they're not a wide receiver away from contending. Because when I when you say contending, we're talking about the Super Bowl, right? A championship. Uh, see, we're talking I, about the whole thing. In general, yeah. But, but for me, I thought Cardinals fans were very patient last year of, hey, look, we get it. it was new coach, new GM, quarterbacks hurt. It, we're, not, we're not contending even for a playoff spot in 2023. I don't think you get that, that, uh, that buffer again now next year. And I don't think you should. I mean, it's the NFL. You should, if, look, if you play 500 when Kyler's starting and you put a better team yeah. around him, you should be better than 500, right? Yes. Nine wins, 10 wins gets you in the conversation. More on this as the show unfolds. <laughs> Thanks. You like held up your hand like you had something That's you right. had to no, say. I did. Oh, okay. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620. 620 right now. We come back. Phoenix Suns, are we back in a position where they could actually sneak up on some people if they get going? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Gambo. The Suns return to action tonight. Will Bradley Beal be back on the floor with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bol Bol? We'll preview the game on the Burns and Gambo Show starting at straight up 2 o'clock. All right, we'll take this uh, for whatever you want to take it for, okay? Yeah. I figured, you know, a lot of times, like, you'll look at power rankings. I know you're a big power rankings guy, so you're constantly <laughs> looking at them. You're just printing them out of the printer in there, and you're just piling up in the newsroom. Yeah. I've got my stats that I am deferential to, no oh. doubt about it, but power rankings, no. <laughs> well, in uh, in football, you know, it's, it's, it's conducive to looking every week just to kind of see where, you know, certain teams are. In basketball, I don't look very often, but I did figure, you know, maybe a good time to just look. You know, the Suns haven't played in a little bit, and then they had the All-Star break just before that. Beals out, and they were playing great, and now it's kind of up and down. Um, so I looked at a couple. I looked at uh, at CBS. CBS had them 11th, and I looked at ESPN. ESPN had them 9th. Okay. Um, just inside the top 10. Just inside the top 10, but, but you know, <laughs> it, it's just a list. But if they finish the season, let's say 9th, that's not what any of us or Matt Ishbia or any of the players signed up for. You, you didn't go all in for ninth in the NBA, okay? We got the big three. We're going to be number nine. Yeah, baby. Right inside the top ten, but not showing off. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I'm, I was talking about this yesterday. There's something in the way, and I don't know what it is. And... Um, you know, I think the big three not playing once again. I, I I am definitely very interested to see Bradley Beal when he comes back in the big three and how this team solidifies 
when he comes back. I am very, very interested in seeing that right well, there. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of build on that for a second, when we had K-Ray on before, that's, that's why I was asking him a, a little bit about, you know, how long is it going to take right. to get, get – and I I don't mean, like, how long is it going to take Beal and Booker and KD. It's like, is Royce O'Neal still going to be in a role where he's c- capable of dropping six threes in a game? Or right. just kind of – like, Royce O'Neal, I don't want to disrupt what he's doing right now. I don't want to disrupt what Grayson's Allen, uh, Grayson Allen's doing right now, but I also need Bradley Beal. So yes. I, I want him to come back, disrupt it once, because it's going to be a disruption – and then no more disruptions. Like, let's go here. We're running out of time. Yeah. And, you know, once again, the reason why I say this is because I know you're going to lose a game from time to time, brothers. You, you are definitely going to do that. If you are a good team, if you're a great team, you're going to lose a game from time to time. It's who you lose to that is very interesting to me. We, we've seen some notable losses to some teams that have not really been that great, that the Phoenix Suns should beat Portland. Being one of them. San Antonio. Right San Antonio. Um, Houston. I, I just, again, there are these lapses that happen in it. That tells me there's something in the way. I will say this, something, though. And I don't know what that something is. This is who they've lost to since Christmas. Again, they're 20 and 9 since Christmas. So I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but they are 20 and 9 since Christmas. Their losses are to the Clippers. Memphis, that was Memphis without Jaw. Uh, the Clippers again. I mean, that those are the, the two Clippers losses are frustrating but acceptable. Uh, the Pacers, that was an irritating game. No, that I'm sorry. I, I realize they have an excellent offense. So what? We got the big three. Booker put up 62 in that game and you, you lost. You're kidding me? Right, exactly. <laughs> they got us into a shootout. Yeah. The, the, the Pacers said, you know what? We don't care you got the big three out here. We're actually going to we, we're gonna get you into a shootout. I would venture to guess that if you sat Frank Vogel down and asked him which loss bothers him the most this season, that might be the... I think uh, you're probably right. Especially on based on some of his post-game comments where he's like, normally a team plays us like that and we just go off. Yes. Uh, Orlando just... I mean, Orlando's fine. Atlanta's not. Yeah. Golden State, Dallas, and then Houston. So okay, so you know, once again, there's some there. bad losses in yeah. there, if you ask me. And the loss to the Rockets the other day, that was bad as well. So it's really interesting because the point differential for the Phoenix Suns. I'm big on point differential, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I always have been. I think it, it gives you a good indicator offensively and defensively. Point differential. How much do you actually win games by or lose games by for that matter, right? Here, don't, re- don't read any of the teams yet. Okay. Just tell me where the Suns are. The Suns are number 11. Okay. And okay. Point differential. I'm, gonna, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. I'm going to read you the, the team's favorite ahead of the Suns to win the title, and you tell me where they are in point differential, okay? Okay. Because there's a big drop-off. The Suns are still number five on FanDuel in terms of just odds to win the NBA title. Okay, cool. But there is a significant drop-off from four to five. All right, so number one, the favorites are the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are number one in point differential. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> number one, 10.4 <laughs> points per game. Number one. Uh, number two is Denver. Uh, Denver's actually number seven in point differential, 4.1. The Clippers, they're number three. Clippers are number five at 4.5. All right. And then the Bucks. The Bucks are actually number eight. So all four of them. Right there. But still top eight. Yeah, absolutely. Top eight right there. But it goes Boston, OKC, Minnesota, Cleveland, and the Clippers. There's your top five point differential. 
What do all those teams have in common, babe? So, I mean, ask yourself that. They're winning a lot more games than they're losing games. That's what they have in common right there for the most part. That takes good offense, good defense. Who are the teams? Boston, Minnesota, OKC? Yeah. Cleveland and, Cleveland and the, the Clippers. Clippers. So those, just in terms of record this season, those are five of the top six teams. <laughs> there it is. And right Denver, Denver's the other one. So point differential is a good way to look at it and say, man, I wonder how is this team playing basically right now? The Houston Rockets, number 24 in point diff, and the Phoenix Suns, number 11. So going back to the original conversation where some of these entities had the Suns out of the top 10 at number 11. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it makes me just, if this team gets rolling, and I know we're going to hear this from the playoffs start. We're going to hear, though, e- even nationally, it's like, well, this team does have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal, so they can be dangerous. And, and certainly if the Suns start to put together a run, there's probably going to be some revisionist history nationally of like, oh, yeah, obviously we saw this coming, even though <laughs> most people don't seem to see it coming right now. And it might not happen. But if they go on a run, you could see potentially them maybe crashing a party that everybody has already decided Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, and the Clippers are the four teams that are going to, right? That's that's going to be your Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. Clippers, Nuggets, Celtics, Bucks, right? And who could possibly break that up? I would argue the Suns are outside of those four, the next team most likely to break it up. Because if they get going, they could beat, I would say, anybody except Denver or Boston right now in a seven-game series. Something Maybe in the way. Milwaukee. Something in the way right now. I'm not saying it can't be rectified, but it just feels like there's something in the way for me personally. Uh, NASCAR returns to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners Children's 500. Get ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west. Drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott are going to take on the Desert Jewel. For your chance to experience this, head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. Have a chance to win tickets. When we come back, what kind of culture is Jonathan Gannon bringing to the Cardinals? He spoke about what he's trying to do at the NFL Combine. You're going to hear what he said next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns versus Rockets. Pre-game at 6 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. So it's Wolf and Luke on a Thursday, almost noon, Thursday morning. Monty Austin Ford at the Combine. It was funny. Like, he talked, said a lot. JG talked, he said a lot. We couldn't get to all of it yesterday, so we had to, like, be organized and stuff like that. And, Wolf, I know you're a big proponent of being organized and getting out ahead of things. And you like to multitask a lot. That's one of your You know, like, I do. Hobbies. Believe it or not, there are some things that I obsess on. And, um... I will tell you right now, the ideas, I love the ideas. I'm really good at the idea thing. The what, ladies and gentlemen, it's the how that I'm not good at. I stink at at that. As a matter of fact, that's what the warrior queen, the tactical level, that's where she shines. That works out pretty perfectly. Well, she's brilliant, and, and she's really good at the what, but she's also really, really good at the how, where I'm not, okay? And I just admit it right now, I'm not. 
I was gonna say, idea. You I was going to say you're helping her with the what, but if she's already good at the what, hey, then let's I, go she's not do really this and let's go do that and let's go do this here, okay? Good. How are we going to do that? Well, I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, I Well, now I don't even remember what I was going to say. But Jonathan Cannon and Monty Osmond were talking the Combine the other day, and we didn't we didn't have enough time to get through all of it yesterday, so we had to kind of spread some of it out. And Jonathan Gannon talking about the uh, the culture that they're trying to build and Monty Austin for it as well. Like, like I said yesterday, this is really the last time we're going to hear from them or that we have to hear from them for a little while. Monty Austin Ford probably doesn't want to talk a whole lot to the media after this because he's gathering all the information he can at the combine. He's talking to his guys. And then, yeah, this is like this is like studying for the biggest final exam of the year. Right for the next month and a half for him and, and his front office. Monty on Tuesday talked about the culture that he hopes the Cardinals are building. I think really the culture that when we talk about it is guys that are willing to put the team first, the guys that are going to put winning uh, above any individual interest because ultimately if we win uh, individual accolades, individual success is going to follow. And so guys that have that mentality um, that are mature, accountable, dependable, guys that are going to attack their job and will with the goal to win, those are the type of guys that we're going to add. Yeah. Okay, so where do you start on that one right there? Uh, team first, once again. Team first. Monty's really big on that. JG, we had JG on, um, or you played JG earlier, and JG was talking about the fact that, you know what, I, I love, uh, we want somebody who loves ball, and then we'll put the team first. So you can see right there the priority with Monty Ossenford talking about a team first. That's what he wants to see right there. And that's great. It really is. But it's a it's a weird situation. The best way you can help the team, the best way, never forget this. When you play in the National Football League at some point in time, you're, you're a high school kid and you're going to play college and then you're going to go on to the NFL at some point in time. The best way you can help your team win is to do your job, period. It's about you. Doing your job, period. That's the best way you can be a teammate, a good teammate to somebody else. Well, that's really all you can do, too. I mean, it, that's is that not the sports version of control what you can control? Correct. You can't, as as an offensive lineman, you can't control how your corner is going to play on defense. Like, you, all you really, I would argue football maybe more than any other sport. You just have to do what you can do. Because basketball, hockey, like it, those are more conducive to just all right. I won't pass the ball. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do it. I'll just turn to Allen Iverson. I'll just try and win by myself. But you really can't do that in football. Um, as much as we've heard Monty Williams talk about culture and Jonathan Gannon and and what they're trying to build, like I know you always say the interviews are such a big part of the process, Wolf. But I, I almost feel like for a team like the Cardinals, and they're probably not the only ones, but they have to be on the list of teams where the interview is that much more important right now because the last thing you want to do is bring in somebody that runs counter to your culture at this stage in the building. Right. And that's a great observation. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, but it's so true based on you got to understand one of the best things about the combine is the interview process. Of course, how many guys did they get to talk to again? 45, 45 guys. For 20 minutes, right? It's like it's a 20 15 minutes. hours. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if it's 15 hours straight. It isn't. That would just be incredible. But one of the best things about that is you get to talk to these guys, and you get to ask them directly 
how do you see yourself as a football player? What kind of guy are you? I mean, is that, is that a direct question? In, that's probably in, how to start it, the interview. I mean, think about it. it. In, in regard to the game of football, that's what I want to know. How do you see yourself as a football player? And then you listen to him talk. You listen to his answer. You listen to what he says. And then you go and you 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 think of the tape. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I would go ahead and watch tape as I'm listening to the guy on a loop after we record what it is that he said over and over and over again. And think to yourself, man, is what he's saying matching up on what I'm seeing? Because once again, brothers, the best talent evaluators, they look at what they see. And they know how to vet what it is they see. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you look at a guy and you think, what a cheap shot. Other times you think, this guy is a killer. What a headhunter this guy is. Does he love the game? Well, how much does he engage in physicality? How much does he do that? Because he's over here, la, 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 I love the game. I love it so much. Oh, my goodness, if I didn't have the game, it would ruin me. <laughs> As if I was interviewing you and you started okay. talking like that, I'd cut the interview short. Okay, so, again, you, you got a guy that says how much he loves this game, and yet you're seeing him turn down some stuff on tape. That is going to drop a guy significantly in my war room. Because he's lying to you or because he's not he's, self-aware? Well, um, he's delusional. No, that's that, that could be a that, problem. That fits into not being self-aware. Here's more from Monty Austin Ford on how they maintain the culture that they're building at a time when they're going to have to bring in a bunch of new players. I think any time that we add a player to our building, it's, it's going to be we're going to talk about the fit, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And so that's why this week is such a big step in that process is that we can, we can meet with players, we can compare the information that we have coming in here to our take once we get a chance to sit down across from them. Um, ultimately, we owe it to the locker room to bring in people that have the right mindset and are going to do the things that we ask them, ask them to do to put our team in the best position to win. So, I mean, I would put I would put the character and the football makeup of a player at, at, as much as important as the on-field ability. Okay, so this, I, I don't want to turn this all into Marvin Harrison Jr., but this is, when I hear that, Wolf, it's like, okay, that's, that is the way you need to do it. But you, you, could, you could argue, if you're doing it that way, are you limiting yourself a little bit? Now, it's worth it, but you're limiting yourself to the sense where it's going to be tougher to find truly elite talent players that can also fit into that filter. By all accounts, Marvin Harrison Jr. fits into that filter. Now, they'll know better when they yeah. talk to him, but by all accounts, he does, and he is definitely a truly elite player in terms of talent. So, again... If he's there, I think you got to take him. And honestly, any other player that might, you know, deeper into the draft or whenever, if they are, if they have that elite physical talent and they fit your filter that Monty's describing, I yeah. don't, you can't pass on those guys. I, I know. Even, you know, even see, to trade for more picks. I know. See, once again, that's the reason why I, I say define a generational player. For me, you just did. <laughs> you right. just did. The guy that has all of that talent. And yet we pull him through the filter of our culture right here, and he is intact. See, if that's the case, if they go through everything and they see that's the case, Marvin Harrison Jr. is obviously this good. We've all seen him play, and they're going to watch the tape, and they're going to find more. And then if they interview him and they're like, no, he, this is a guy we want in the building, 
then I would rather have that than an additional pick down the line because there's no guarantee you're going to find somebody that fits all that with the additional pick. You're talking about additional picks. I'll just go back and use the the example Mel Kuyper was given before, and he wasn't saying the Cardinals should do this. He was just throwing it out there as, like, be ready for a situation like this. If you're telling me I trade down with the Raiders and I'm picking 13, well, I'm not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm getting another first-round pick next year from the Raiders. That could be the 21st pick in the draft. I may end up picking a guy that never even really plays for me after a year or two. Like, if I have this here right now, and, I, and I'm going to stick to that filter that Monty's talking about, and there's an elite player that fits it, I have to draft him. Yeah. No, you have to. And once again, this is the reason why I'm in the danger zone when it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. Can I just say this? I love the fact that Monty says, he, he said, I owe it to the guys in the locker room. <laughs> See, this is why this is why I love Monty Austin for base is because I honestly think he might be the most convicted dude I've ever seen in the scouting world. Now, again, I've only seen it from the Cardinals' perspective, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't seen it. I haven't talked to a lot of of scouts from other NFL teams. But the conviction that I hear in Monty Ossenford, it's got everything to do with the fact that I really do believe that this guy is going to stick to his guns and what it is that he believes. And they're not going to bring anybody in that locker room, nobody who isn't going to be a fit. So you got to find those guys who are going to be fits and have the talent to play. You can't miss on these guys. But I love the fact he feels a responsibility. A responsibility to whom? Oh, I don't know. James Conner? A responsibility to Buda Baker? A responsibility to, to guys who are pros and show up and do their job? Man, stick to your guns, Monty. All right, we come back. It is almost noon, so it's time for all of the top sports stories of the day in one place. Wolf and Down Your Lunches next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.